GeoGwitch and welcome back to GeoGwitch Ministries or welcome to GeoGwitch Ministries if it is your first time. I hope you find today's sermon enjoyable but more so I hope you find it edifying and even convicting. If you are a non-believer I hope you stick around and I hope that God uses this sermon in your life to bring you to the faith. God bless and enjoy. We are continuing our study of Hosea chapter 4. Today we are doing verses 7 to 14. The more they increased, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people. They are greedy for their iniquity, and it shall be like people, like priests. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They shall eat but not be satisfied. They shall play the whore but not multiply because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom, wine and new wine which take away the understanding. My people inquire of a piece of wood and their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. They sacrifice on the tops of mountains and burn offerings on hills under oak, poplar, and terebinth. Because their shade is good, therefore your daughters play the whore, and your brides commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they play the whore, or your brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes. And the people without understanding shall come to ruin. We're still reading through Hosea, like I said, and Hosea has a way with words that you can you can feel the anger in God's voice and in his own voice. As he, God inspired it as he was inspired. You can hear it, you can feel it. We start in verse 7. The more they increase, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. God's talking here, and Hosea is talking here, about the priests, about the preachers, the spiritual leaders. And of course, we know spiritual leaders can cause a lot of harm. We look at the Pharisees in the time of Jesus and so on. And we look even in our own time as people like Joel, Cena, and Kenneth Copeland are leading so many people astray. We know the harm false teachers can cause spiritually and in many other ways. Some of them tell people, hey, are you sick? Yeah, don't, don't, don't bother with the hospital. Come here, give me all your money. Uh, oh yeah, faith in God is supposed to, but just, just give me all your money and uh, you'll be better and if you're not better then you didn't give me enough, uh, enough money so just give me more and then you'll be better and if you're ever not better remember i'm not in the wrong god's not in the wrong you're in the wrong you just need to give me more money and that has dire consequences not just on theology but on the person themselves but it was a glorious thing of course to be a priest to be a spokesman for god that's a wonderful thing a wonderful glorious thing you would have been very well respected at the time. People would have looked up to you for guidance. And so when they lied, it made it so much worse because they were lying to people who looked up to them. They were the, seen as the final uh, authority on everything and so no one could challenge them. And that was quite a glorious thing for them. 
It's the arrogant self-glorification. But God's going to turn that into shame. He's going to reveal what these people are like. He's going to reveal their true colours. And show how shameful they are. In the last study we looked, we saw that in verse 4 of this same chapter, or sorry, verse 5, you shall stumble by day, the prophet also shall stumble with you by night. Seemingly referring to some sort of immoral nighttime activity. Perhaps prostitution. As well as the immoral daytime activity of preaching complete lies to vulnerable people. And God will expose them. He won't just let them keep getting away with it. Now he might not expose them in this life. He might not. They might die in their own self-glorification. But when they die, they will come to a place when only one shall be glorified. And that is the Lord God Almighty. And they shall be put to shame in front of all of creation. It shall be known that they lied. That they were false teachers. And God will say to them in front of everybody who's ever lived or will ever live or is currently alive. Apart from me, I never knew you. And the people they knew, the people they tricked and the people they led astray will look and see this person before them being told, depart from me, I never knew you. And they will say it was you. You did this to us. You led us astray. There'll be no glory in it then. Only the eternal shame. Verse 8. They feed on the sin of my people. They are greedy for their iniquity. Verse 8 has a little possible way of saying that. Um, could be sin offering instead of just sin here in verse 8. Um, but I think again, sin um Works just as well as sin offering. Of course, it can mean one or two different things. If it means sin, it means they were going off of their sins. They were indulging in the sins. The sinfulness of prostitutions was good for them because they could, well, not good for them, but they enjoyed it because they could go and get prostitutes. The sinfulness of corruption meant that they could probably exploit people with corruption or they could offer bribes or ask for bribes or whatever. Or if it's a sin offering, then would show that they would tell people to do whatever they wanted and just offer a sin offering to God and it would all be hunky-dory and no one would care. Either way, they got to accept their power, their influence over people. And they fed off of it. They liked it. They enjoyed it, probably. They were greedy for their iniquity. Greedy for it. They longed for it. They longed to see the people sin. These people that they should be leading on the right path, they long to see them leave God. They're greedy for it. Verse 9. And it shall be like people, like priest. I will punish them for their deeds and re, uh, for their ways and repay them for their deeds. Like people, like priests. You don't get out of this because you're a priest. The people sinned, they receive the just punishment for their sins. Oh, but I'm a priest. It doesn't matter. You were in the boat, you'll sink with them. You sinned alongside them. You were greedy for their sin. Your lies, your false teachings, 
Go back to verse 2, we see there is swearing, lying, murder, stealing and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows. Bloodshed. Verse 4. Yet let no one contend and let no one accuse. For with you is my contention, O priest. You don't get out of this for being a priest. It can be said that you even caused it. Like people, like priests. If the people are being punished, you're not getting out of it. You don't get to pull a priest card. You don't get to say, well, I'm a man of God. So, I, no, it's not how it works. You participate in that punishment or in that sin. And you will suffer the same punishment as the rest, if not worse. We'll punish them for all their ways and we we'll pay them for all their deeds. This is a repayment. This is just. This is not an angry God losing his temper. It's not a tantrum. This is just God responding to sin. He's doing this perfectly righteously. He's repaying them. This is what they're owed. This is what they deserve. His punishment. This is what they get. They brought it on themselves. They deserve it. They earned this. For everything that they did. Verse 10. The punishment starts to be described. And verse 11 starts in the middle of the sentence. So I'll just do verse 10 and 11 together. They shall eat but not be satisfied. They shall play the horror but not multiply. Because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish. And that begins verse 11. Whoredom, wine and new wine. Which take away the understanding. They shall eat and not be satisfied. They shall play the whore but not multiply. They shall, you know, do things. But they won't get the good out of it, as it were. They'll play the whore. They won't multiply. They'll go off and worship other gods. But when worshipping the one true God gave them so many blessings, so much goodness came into their lives because of their worship of the one true God, now that they're worshipping statues, it's not going to be the same. Now that they're worshipping people, gods who aren't even there to hear them, it's not going to be the same. Play the whore, they won't get the reward, they won't get anything out of it except condemnation. They'll eat, but they won't be satisfied. They'll worship, they won't gain from it, they won't get anything out of it. They'll sacrifice, they won't be forgiven. Because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom. They cherish it. They love their relationship with all these gods that aren't actually there. They love it. The gods don't love them back because there's no gods to love them back. Except for the one and only God from whom they have turned. And they cherish wine and new wine which take away understanding. They're drunkards. They get drunk. That takes away their understanding, of course. They get drunk. They lose control of themselves. And getting drunk. I don't think drinking is a sin. I think, I think getting drunk is. That's a discussion for another day. And verse 12, and before I read it, I have to say, you can hear the anger. You can feel the anger and the just sheer disappointment in this 
My people inquire of a piece of wood. You can hear how he's feeling in that. You can hear the betrayal in his voice. Or you can feel it from the writing. It's palpable. My people. The people God brought from Egypt. The people he made it rain food on and made water come from a rock. The people he... So much I don't think I have the time to list it all here. They have problems. They have a God who solves problems. They start talking to bits of wood instead. Asking it for help. My people inquire of a piece of wood. The one true God is right there for them. And then the verse continues. And their walking staff gives them oracles. They inquire of wood and staffs. To know what to do, to know what's coming and so on. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. I'm right here, and they talk to wood instead. Sinful man will do anything except acknowledge the one true God. These people, they have a God who they know is there, they know is real, and they know has helped them. But instead they invent their own gods, invent their own deities. And are then surprised when those deities do nothing. They reject God in favour of a piece of wood. They're surprised when they eat and are not satisfied. When they play the whore and, are, and do not multiply. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. They have left God. Before there was this slight hint, this idea of, well, maybe they're coming back, maybe they're coming back. And maybe they will someday. But as for now, it's not a will they, won't they? They won't. That's, that's established. This isn't the thing of, oh... I just maybe they'll come back someday. No, they're not coming back anytime soon. Maybe sometime in the distant future, but not anytime soon. They're done with God. After everything he's done for them, they're done with him. And now they're trying every possible alternative from false gods to walking sticks to bits of wood. And of course I know that they inquire of a piece of wood. They're not literally walking along, picking up a bit of bark off a tree and going, hey, how do I solve my problems? I know the, the bit of wood is obviously in reference to a carved statue. But a carved statue is nothing more than a bit of wood in a funny shape. So still, just a bit of wood. But just in case there's any confusion, in case you were wondering, it does mean carved statue. They weren't literally talking to just chunks of wood. Well, they were, but the, there was some work that went into making it look like some sort of a god. They inquire pieces of wood instead of the one true god. They play the whore.
they will go to anything except the one true God because they are not of him. They are sinners, they are sinful. They abandoned him. Verse 13. They sacrifice on the tops of the mountains and burn offerings on the hills under oak, poplar and turbant because their shade is good. Therefore your daughters play the horror and your brides commit adultery. Well, what's wrong with this? Well, there was a place they were meant to do. They were meant to bring sin sacrifices, sin, sin offerings and so on. But they're not doing it there anymore. They're not going to where they should be going. They're not bringing their offerings to where they should be bringing them. They're going up mountains. Far away seemingly as they can get. Instead of sacrificing animals to God, they're sacrificing to false gods. I spoke to a bit of wood last night and it didn't do anything for me. Perhaps if I kill this goat up in a mountain, it'll do something for me. But I'm definitely not going back to God. Therefore, your daughters play the whore and your brides commit adultery. But something interesting is said in verse 14. I will not punish your daughters when they play the whore, nor your brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes. And people without understanding shall come to ruin. There's a fair bit to unpack there. Now, when he says I will not punish your daughters um, and the brides and so on, uh, I think what he means is I won't do it more severely. It's not like the daughters and brides are off doing something and the, the men are off praying and reading their Bibles and being just all you know good lads and all that. No, they're all doing it. So they're not going to be punished any more harshly. They're not going to receive a punishment that the other one doesn't. They're all being sinful. They're all being immoral. They're all doing horrible things. So none of them is going to be treated as worse than the other. And all the women are out whoring themselves. The men are out sacrificing with cult prostitutes. Not only are they sleeping around with different women. But at the same time, they're sacrificing other gods. They're multitasking. They're whoring in two ways. And the people without understanding shall come to ruin. And that's where the problem is. They don't know. They don't know. Because the men who are meant to tell them of God won't. Verse 4. Yet let no one contend and let none accuse, for with you is my contention, O priest. That's where the problem lies. The supposed men of God aren't doing their jobs. They won't do what they're supposed to. They won't tell the truth. They flat out refuse to tell the truth. And of course it has dire consequences. They refuse to do what's right by the people. They refuse to preach the truth of God. False teaching always has negative consequences. It never has positive consequences. You cannot point out to me a single time in all of human history 
when false teaching was a net positive for the world. And we see it in so many different ways today. We've got the prosperity preacher. And that's a whole thing. Got people who go into those guys and they come in in wheelchairs. And they leave in wheelchairs. Some of them stayed in the wheelchair the whole time. Some of them were saved, or not saved, were healed temporarily and then the healing went away and then they were back in the wheelchair, which is almost worse. And people pointed and say, well, well, look here, look here, look here. This, 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 there's a video of your man and he flings his coat around and there's someone in the wheelchair and he gets up in the crowd. Oh, really? That's, that's wonderful. What's that guy at now? The wheelchair guy, where is he now? What's he doing? Oh, he's back in the wheelchair. Oh, what a surprise. And that's, and that's what happens, I'll tell you. Here's the reason, by the way, that those things happen. If anyone's wondering and they're going, well, how, how is that? Basically, the way it works is it's sort of on two levels. There's the underlying problem, the health issue, and then there is the symptoms caused by that. So the health issue is what's wrong, the symptoms are what we see. So someone in a wheelchair, they have an underlying health issue. The symptom is that their legs don't work and so they must go into a wheelchair. And so this preacher comes along and in the hype of the music and the emotion and all of it, the adrenaline starts pumping and it, there's a placebo of mind over matter and all these things come together to basically trick the body into thinking that you're healed. So that what happens is that the effects, the symptoms go away they do they, they legitimately they cure the symptoms they go away but then when everything calms down the brain realizes hold on we're still sick because the symptoms are cured by this mind over matter but the sickness itself the illness itself was not cured so the brain realizes i'm still sick and so it brings the symptoms back The only time you will ever be cured and stay cured at one of these things is if you only have a minor illness with minor symptoms and the symptoms are gotten rid of and then by the time you've calmed down the illness went away anyway by itself. Something like, I don't know, stomach bug or something like that. Within those few hours it legitimately just went away by itself with no help from the supposed healer. That's how you... That's the only time anyone will ever get quote-unquote healed properly and, you know, sustainably uh, one of those things. And it's becoming a thing now that this is just supposed to be expected. For 1900 years, this wasn't the case. For 1900 years, if someone came up to you and said, I'm a preacher for God and I can heal you, you'd tell them to get lost because you'd know they were a scam artist. But recently, since I believe 1901, Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement has flared into life. And when we're looking at the charismatic movement, I do believe it's an in-house issue. I do believe they are our brothers and sisters, but I also believe it's helpful to remember there are only two types of theology. New theology and correct theology. And the theology, that's about 100 years old, fits one of those categories. But no theology can fit both. But people, genuine Christians... 
are willing to just believe this stuff. There's one thing I saw, there was a Christian commentator, I won't name him, a Christian commentator, looking at an article, made a video about an article, and I think there was something came up about the article. Uh, the article was about someone who supposedly had their foot grown back. They they'd lost their foot and it was grown back on one of these things. And something in the article mentioned proof. People wanting proof. The Christian commentator scoffs. <laughs> yeah, I bet they do. What? That That's such a ridiculous response to that. What do you mean? Of course, of course you want proof. Someone claims their foot has grown back. Of course you want proof. Why wouldn't you? I don't know about you guys, but... If someone comes up to me and makes a ridiculous claim, I'm going to want some evidence. Oh, but you're a Christian. You're meant to have faith. That's not how that works. Yes, we have faith. But we have faith in a religion which has an abundance of evidence behind it. We certainly don't have faith in claims made by people who've made hundreds of claims and been proven wrong hundreds of times. Charismatics. The more ridiculous ones who claim to be able to heal personally. Which, by the way, that's a good way of knowing um, whether or not a charismatic is actually a true Christian. If a charismatic is someone who believes in the spiritual gifts, um, but is willing to admit that they personally don't possess them, chances are that's just an issue of theology and it's a secondary issue. So it's something that should be worked on, something that we should talk about, but it's not something that's salvation level. Uh, importance. If, however, it's a charismatic who's claiming that they can perform the gifts, well, they can't. Now it's no longer an issue of theology. Now it's an issue of lying or deceitfulness. They've probably they've possibly been deceived into thinking they can do it. But the most respectable charismatic leaders are those leaders who will admit, "Yes, I believe healing happens today, but I don't think I can do it." Because they can't. Whether or not they believe it can or can't happen, they can't. So that's usually a good lit, uh, litmus test for either someone being a true Christian with some iffy theology and someone who's either been lied to or is currently lying to you. <sighs> yeah, there you go. And it's because the charismatic issue is such a broad topic... It encompasses people from John Piper to Oral Roberts. These are two extremely different men who preach two extremely different things, but they're both part of the charismatic group. That's how wide it is. And so, you'll have men Closer to where John Piper is, good Christian man. Defending all the stuff that goes on over where Oral Roberts is, if you imagine the scale. Defending it because they belong to the same group. So whenever someone like Oral Roberts comes along and makes some nonsense claim that they can heal people and then either provides no evidence for it or they provide evidence that is easily, that is easily and provably fake or faked, well, then the people who really should be pointing that out and saying, no, that's wrong, a lot of the time, fair enough, a lot of the time they will, but a lot of the time they won't. 
a lot of the time they'll say, no, 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 I'm sure, whatever, it's, oh, this stuff happens. I mean, yeah, sure, every supposed incident that has ever been documented of these things happening has either got no proof for it or has been proven wrong, but that's no reason to think it's not true. It's ridiculous. False teaching always, well, yeah, I'm going to say it always leads somewhere bad. It will never ever lead somewhere good. And that's what we see here. The nation is being destroyed, the nation of Israel. Uh, sorry about that now. Cut off. Anyway, as I was saying, the nation is being destroyed by the people who should be protecting it. Now I'm kind of conscious because it cut off because of a lack of storage. So. I'm conscious that I'm getting to the, 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 the limits of what I can have on here. Um, so I'm going to wrap it up now. And we're going to do the application. What is the application? Well, the application, of course, is to remember the importance of the truth. The importance of true biblical teaching. And maybe you want to know what that true biblical teaching is. And if that's true, if you do, I encourage you to seek it out. And you will find many things in your journey. You'll find, for example, that you're a sinner. you also find that Christ died to save his people even though they're sinners. So my plea to you is repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. I hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you would like some other ways of consuming G Witch Ministries, then go to the links in my About section on my YouTube channel, and you will find my website, my TikTok, my Instagram, and my Spotify, where you can find either snippets of these sermons or the full sermons. If you would like to finance these sermons or help me monetarily, then you can also find my Patreon. You don't have to do this, but it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for watching. God bless. And son, August Grammar, but.